Father, thank you that we can just take some time over these next weeks to dive into a very important topic that really we don't talk about enough. And so, God, I pray that as we journey together as a church through the whole idea of grief, that you will speak to our souls, that you will equip us to grieve well, that you will equip us to walk along others who are grieving. Thank you for these moments we have in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a, it was a Code 3 call for a baby in distress. And when I walked into the room, the nursery, I saw the baby in the crib. And I knew this baby was in deep distress. I grabbed the baby and I started to do CPR immediately. And as we're leaving the house, we're hearing the parents scream, no, no, in a way only a parent can scream. And I knew the outcome was not going to be good. And I knew those parents were going to go through some deep, deep grief. I stood by the bedside of a young lady. She was in her late 20s. And she looked at me as she was getting ready to pass away and she said, I was hoping God would give me more time. Why hasn't he? I closed my Bible at the graveside after doing a committal service for a mother who died too young. And I looked up and I saw the grief in her husband and her children. Grief that says, what are we going to do? We've never been this way before. How can we keep going when, when life breaks our hearts? How, how can we survive significant loss? How can we cope with grief? These next three weeks here at Sandwich, we're going to take a journey together as sort of a mini-series within our larger series of walking with Jesus through the seasons of life. And we're going to touch on the subject of grief. Today we're going to talk about you as a grieving person. And maybe you're not grieving now, but one day you will be. Next week we're going to talk about a very important topic. We're going to talk about hope and grief. And then on our third Sunday, we're going to talk about how do we grieve? How do we walk alongside others that are grieving? Often, we don't do a good job as human beings helping others in their grief. And in week three, we're going to talk about how can we do that well? How can we journey with others who are grieving? I want to start by saying this. We all experience loss. When, when we think of grief and loss, we tend to focus on death, and primarily that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking of, about grief in the light of death, but we grieve other things. We grieve loss, and so what I'm going to talk about can be applied to other areas of life. Life is filled with many caskets, if you will, other losses, great and small, that can cause us to grieve. For, for instance, the bad health diagnosis, the divorce, the loss of a job, the loss of an unrealized dream, the loss that comes through being abused, 
the loss of a significant friendship or, or the breakup of a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. The loss of a, a long-time um, pet. The loss of a dog can make you grieve. I, I remember our first dog, its name was Einstein, and <clears throat> not because it was smart, and we had to put Einstein down, and I've always made it a point that the pet's been faithful. I will hold it while they put it down. And I was in the, the vet office, and they, they gave Einstein the shot, and the vet said he's dead. And at that moment, I started to grieve. I started to, like, weep. Like, I'm weeping. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And I'm just weeping and weeping. And the vet says, you can go out the back door if you want. I said, no, I think I'll be okay. And I walked through the whole waiting room. Just grieving the loss of this pet. None of us in this life are immune from loss. All of us experience loss, thus all of us grieve. The dictionary defines grief as a deep sorrow or distress, especially that caused by someone's death. Here's a good working definition of grief I came across. Grief is the normal, natural, intense emotional reaction to loss. The loss may be physical, such as death, social, such as a divorce, or occupational, such as a job. As humans, we grieve loss. It says in Matthew 5, 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the word mourn here is a strong word. It means to wail, to be filled with overwhelming sorrow, gut-wrenching sadness. As humans, we grieve loss. The problem is we don't do grief well today. Not in our culture. Today, most people approach grief as a problem to be quickly solved rather than an experience to be patiently journeyed through. And one of the reasons we approach grief as a problem to be quickly solved is we live in a culture that tends to avoid pain at any cost. Today, people conclude that if something hurts, if something is painful, it's bad. Now, sometimes that's true, but oftentimes it's not. And when it comes to grief, it's not. The, the fact that grief is painful doesn't make it bad or wrong. Deep pain is a normal, healthy response to significant loss. But again, we, we live in a culture that avoids pain. So rather than deal with the deep pain of grief, people today tend to push it down. They push the deep pain of grief deep inside, they, or they pretend that it's not there, which is the same thing. Listen, when we experience pain, we have a biological need to express it. Unaddressed, unacknowledged pain doesn't go away. It just finds other ways to speak, such as addiction or depression or social isolation, or isolation, or workaholism, or, or drug abuse, or food addiction, or unhealthy relationships, or busyness. How many people do you know keep busy 
because they don't want to stop, because if they stop, they will feel their pain. Avoiding the pain of grief, not dealing with our grief, has significant negative impacts in our life. So how can we walk with Jesus through seasons of grief? Well, I have dealt with grieving people as a paramedic and a pastor for over 40 years now. And I put together for us this morning a a few thoughts on grieving that I hope will be helpful. Here's the first one. Realize your grief is your grief. Realize your grief is your grief. Each person is a unique human being with a unique personality. Thus, each person grieves uniquely. No one carries grief the same way you do. There is no correct way to grieve. How how many people have heard of the five stages of grief? How many people have heard of that? Yeah, a number of you. If you haven't, the five stages of grief are a model proposed by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her wonderful book. It was published in 1969 called On Death and Dying. It's not a Christian book, but if you deal with a lot of people that are uh, dying or, or facing death, this is a book you need to read. But in it, she talks about five stages of grief. And the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And they were developed by Kubler-Ross as she listened and observed people who were facing a terminal diagnosis and death. And what began in her research as a way to understand the emotions of the dying became a way to strategize grief in our culture. And the griever was expected to move through the stages of grief in a linear way. You start with denial, then you go to anger and bargaining and depression and eventually come to acceptance and then your grief work is done. And when I began as a pastor, I used to think of it that way. I used to think that people move through grief in a linear fashion. But I was younger and dumber back then. (laughs) Because I quickly realized people don't move through grief in an orderly, predictable, linear fashion fashion. You can't force an order on a person's grief. You can't make grief tidy and predictable even though we want to in our culture. In fact, in her later years, Kubler-Ross wrote that she regretted writing about the stages of grief the way she did. This is what she said later in another book. She said, the stages of grief were not meant to tell anyone what to feel or when exactly they should feel it. They were not meant to dictate whether you are doing grief correctly or not. Not everyone goes through all the stages or goes through them in a prescribed order. There is not a typical response to loss as there is no typical loss. I want you to understand this morning that your grief is your grief. And also understand, many people never get over their grief. They just become reconciled to it. 
And, and also, let me just add here, as you journey through life, say a loved one dies, and years later, as you journey through life, there are going to be times during the year when that grief will resurface. Their birthday, your anniversary, their death date. See, you never really get over grief. You become reconciled to it, and your grief is your grief. Understand that. Here's the second thing to understand. You need to acknowledge your grief. And we're terrible at doing this as Christ followers. As Christ followers, we sometimes struggle to acknowledge our grief. Yes, that picture. We, we struggle to acknowledge our deep pain and grief. See, in, in, in church world, we feel like we're always supposed to be happy and upbeat and perfect all the time. And we feel like we're not supposed to grieve because our loved one is with Jesus. I have heard people say to other people, don't be sad. Your loved one's with Jesus now. In three weeks, you're going to find out that's one of the things not to say to someone, all right? And so when we hear that, and when we enculturate that, what we end up doing is we end up telling people when they're grieving to stuff their pain and grief down inside and church becomes one of the key places that people pretend listen while our faith talks about resurrection and new life and we're going to deal with that next week our humanness tells us that we need to grieve our humanness tells us it's pain that that pain is a healthy normal response when someone or something is torn from your life. The way to get through the pain of grief is not to deny it, but to experience it, to let it exist, to acknowledge it. Healing comes by journeying through the pain of loss, not by ignoring it or stuffing it down, but acknowledging it and journeying with it. Now, I know some people are afraid to let their emotions out and they fear that if they start to allow their emotions to come out, it will overwhelm them. I've had people say to me, if I start crying, I don't think I'll ever be able to stop. Can I encourage you, if you're grieving, instead of trying to avoid the expression of your emotions, Let your emotions appropriately flow. You know what we need to do today? We need to learn to lament. To lament means to cry. It means to sorrow. It means to grieve. To lament means to pour out your troubles in an outward verbal way. To lament means to give voice to your suffering and to your grief. And boy, do we ever need to do those things things today did you know of the 150 psalms in the old testament 57 of them are lament psalms there are 57 psalms where the psalmist pour out their trouble and their sorrows to god why so many because god knows we need to lament And the lament psalms, they teach us to cast our cares on God. The lament psalms show us that it's all right to pour out our heart to God and to others. 
the, the lament psalms give us permission to express the full range of human emotions and thoughts to God. They, they help you bring the real you into the presence of the real God. The, the lament psalms give language to our pain and to our sorrow and to our grief. Here, just, I'll just read you a few verses from a couple of lament psalms so you get the idea. They, they won't come up on the screen, so just listen to the words. Psalm 6 says this, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. A couple of verses from Psalm 55. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. A couple of verses from Psalm 44. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. In the first two verses of Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Maybe you need to take some time if you're grieving to read some of the lament psalms. Maybe you need to write your own lament psalm to God. Read some lament psalms and you'll get sort of the pattern and then write your own lament psalm, your own psalm of psalm of. Uh, grief and sadness to God. God wants you to let him know about your grief. Can I say this too? Can we be a church that is strong enough to open ourselves up to one another's pain so people don't have to pretend? Can, can we be a church that encourages lament are we strong enough to do that? Can we do that? First, realize your grief. That your grief is your grief. Second, acknowledge your grief and lament. Third, remember this. That, that grief is a massive tank drainer. Remember my tank from a few weeks ago? And I talked about how you have outflow and you need to have inflow. And green is good, yellow is not so good, red is danger zone, right? You're going to burn out. Okay, grieving, the acute grieving process is a huge tank drainer. It instantly drains your tank. The physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental toll that grief takes on you just drains that tank. You can't put inflow in fast enough when you're grieving. 
And, and that's why often after a funeral, people get physically sick because they're just worn out. They've been running on adrenaline. Their tank is empty. And so can I encourage you to do what, what Gary and Crystal said? If you're gr grieving and your tank is low, you need to take care of yourself. And, and it's hard to do when you're grieving acutely. So can I encourage you to let others care for you? Often we find that hard to do. We find it hard to take care from others. But if you're grieving acutely, your tank's low, allow others to walk alongside you. Here's the fourth thing. Use the vomit metric. Okay, you're going to go, what? Let me explain that to you, because I think this is important for people to understand. A question I'm often asked in months after a death is this. When is the right time to do something? When is the right time to take off my wedding ring? Well, when is the right time to get rid of his or her clothes? When is the right time to erase their voice from the answering machine? When is the right time to turn my child's bedroom into a guest room? The answer to that question is very simple. There is no right time. If taking off your wedding rings, if, if getting rid of your clothes, if, if getting rid of the clothes, if changing the bedroom, if erasing the answering machine makes you nauseous to the point where you want to vomit, then it's not the right time to do those things. You don't have to do anything until you're ready. You will do what you need to do when you need to do it. It will never feel good. But if it makes you feel sick, then it's not the right time to do it. Hopefully that's helpful. Here's the fifth thing. This is hard. As you grieve, you will want answers, but you won't usually get them. When someone you love dies, you don't just lose the present and the past, you lose the future you were supposed to have with them. The retirement where you were going to go traveling. If it's a child, their graduation. Seeing them get married. If it's a parent, they may not be there to walk you down the aisle or, or be at your wedding. And when those, when you think of the future, your heart screams, why? Why, God? Why did you take that person from me? And you want answers. And I wish I had the answer to the question, why? When that young girl looked at me and said, I was hoping God would give me more time, why didn't he? I, I wish I had an answer to that question, but I don't. What, what I do know is pat answers don't work, and I'm certainly tired of the old cliche answers. The only answer I can honestly give to the question why contains five words. I don't know why. As hard as we try, the question why 
most likely will go unanswered this side of heaven. In fact, if you go to the Psalms, and I mention the Psalms a lot because they're so good when we're talking about grief, but if you go to the Psalms, you will often see David crying out to God because he is bewildered by the events of life, and he's basically saying, God, why, God, why? I don't understand. And as you read the Psalms, you'll observe that while David doesn't get his questions answered, what happens over and over in the Psalms is this. David, in the midst of his grief and his pain and his suffering, returns to what he knows to be true. That there is a God. He is greater than our circumstances. And he is our rock in troubled times. And it's those truths, it's those truths that allow David to carry on and live life. And like David, we need to learn that, that peace and strength come not in knowing the answers to why. And when you think about it, if you knew the answer to why, would it really help? Peace and strength come not from understanding everything, but in knowing that there is a God, He is greater than our circumstances, and He desires to journey with us and be our rock. Which leads me to my last point this morning, and it's this. Jesus understands your suffering and your grief. Isaiah 53 3 says this, He was despised, and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Jesus is our suffering Savior who is intimately acquainted with our grief. We're going to go over to Matthew 26 for a moment. Let me explain Matthew 26, the context. What I'm about to read happened just before Jesus was arrested. Jesus knew that he was going to be arrested, he was going to be tried, and then he was going to be crucified. He knew all of that was coming. And so just before he was arrested, he was in this place called Gethsemane. Let me start reading in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he became sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Let's go back to verse 38. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The word sorrow here in the Greek means to grieve, to be filled with emotional heaviness and deep sadness. At this point, Jesus was grieving deeply. He was overwhelmed emotionally to the point of death. He was overflowing with emotion and grief. 
If you ever needed scriptural permission to grieve, here it is. If you ever needed a biblical reminder that grief is normal, here it is. If it was holy for Jesus to grieve deeply, it is holy for you to grieve deeply. In fact, if Jesus was to appear next to me this morning, I think he would give all of us permission to deeply grieve. You see, God understands your grief. He is there with you as you grieve. And and I know in, in grief, we're tempted to view God through the lens of our loss. But Jesus invites us to view God the Father through the lens of the cross. When the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther lost a son, his wife Katie shouted at him, where was God when her son died? And Martin replied this. He said, the same place he was when his son died. He was there watching and weeping. Psalm 23, 1-4. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though you walk through the valley of a loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a dream, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a pet, the loss you've experienced because of abuse, your shepherd is there, right there with you. In this life, there is no way to avoid grief. But know this, there is one who will walk beside you as you journey through the dark valley of grief, and his name is Jesus. He's the good shepherd, the one who said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is our suffering Savior who is acquainted with our grief. He's the compassionate Savior who desires to comfort us in the midst of our grief. And he's the healing Savior who speaks eternal truth into our earthly wounds. We're going to explore more of that next week as we talk about hope and grief. But today, I want you to know if you're grieving that your grief is your grief. And you need to grieve the way you uniquely will grieve. You need to acknowledge your grief and pain. Please don't stuff it in. Lament. Let it out. And for some of you, you've bottled up grief for years. This morning, you are being given permission by Jesus who grieved deeply to grieve deeply and he will be there with you. Grieve. Allow Jesus to walk with you. Allow others to journey with you. After the service, there will be people up front who would love to pray for you.
We want to be a church that gives people permission to grieve, to lament. Please don't feel like you have to be perfect. That you have to stuff it down inside. You need to grieve. I want to close today by reading the whole psalm that I just alluded to, Psalm 23. And I just want you to listen to these words, and I just want them to soak into your soul. They're good for all of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you that we are a community of faith who journey through life together. And thank you that we don't just do it as human beings together, we do it with you. And so God, I pray this morning that there are some people here that that are grieving acutely even now. I pray God that, that you would come alongside them. I pray that we would come alongside them. Maybe this morning there's some people here, Father, that your spirit is touching, saying that death happened 5 or 10 or 15 years ago and you've never grieved. Father, may you allow us to be a church that celebrates you, but also a church that laments well. May we be a people who lament well. Thank you that you say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In Jesus' name, amen.